Welcome to AP Bible Church. We're so glad you guys are here. Be sure to go over and check out apbiblechurch.com where you can find out more about our church, about the pastors. You can visit the blog for different resources and teachings. We have family study packets each and every week based off of our Sunday sermons. You can also join in our group page. We have a group there for the church where members can get on and gather together in fellowship and community there through the website. We stream services every Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern, bi-weekly Sunday evenings at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and also on Wednesday evenings as well for our midweek message and prayer gathering. Pastor Brandon has been teaching through the Gospel of Matthew, and we are excited to have you all here so we can dig in a little bit deeper and hear what he has to teach us today. Thank you guys again so much for being here. Of course, we are always available for each and every one of you. If there's ever anything that we can do, please don't hesitate to reach out. Until then, let's dive in. All right, guys, let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Father, I thank you so much again for this opportunity to be able to speak to your people. Father, I thank you so much for giving us this opportunity for us to be able to meet together here in the body, Lord, no matter where we are, no matter what it is, that we're united as the body, giving glory to you. Father, I ask today that you just give your people understanding. Father, please give me the words to speak to your people. Let everything come from you, Father, and nothing from me. As we talk about your return, Father, I just ask that you give your people understanding in these things. That you just bless them by this message, Father, and the encouragement that's in this message. Father, we love you, and we give you all the glory, Lord, in your heavenly and precious name, Jesus. Amen. What's up, Caleb? How are you? Good to see ya. Oops, that week. All right, guys, we're going to finish up Matthew 24 today. What have we been in this, like a year or something like that? It's been a long time since we've been in this chapter. We are going to finish it up, but we are going to recap the whole chapter again here. Um, there is not a study packet for this week. Um, I will periodically post some things um, probably this week for you regarding this. Just because everything, every study packet and everything that we have, everything that I have to give you, um, we've already given you, is the, the best resource to use that I recommend to help you with this. So if you just go back and go through the, um, the different study packets through the last couple of weeks, if you, if you have questions or anything like that, just go back um, to that to reference. But... Um, <clears throat> This week, I wanted to make sure, again, that we just understand this all as a whole. And this is really exciting. I mean, this, this chapter is very, very exciting for us. And this is a chapter that 
causes a lot of confusion in people's minds. It, it's, they don't, you know, they're, they're like, okay, when is these thing, you know, and this is what leads to a lot of different viewpoints. This leads to a lot of different ideas and people debate this and get people confused and even book deals come out of this crazy stuff, right? You know, I mean, that people do with the text. Um, but the more, you know, the more and more that I've studied and I, I've, I've got in deep this whole chapter and of no surprise because this is my, you know, one of my favorite chapters of scripture or one of the favorite subjects, obviously, whenever we're talking about the, um, the eschatology, the end times and, and the second coming and the rapture and all that stuff. I mean, that's just, that's just what I, I thrive upon. I, I know I'm really not surprising anybody by saying that, but, um, I've, you know, the more and more that I've, uh, studied it, the more and more it's just become clear, uh, to me what Jesus is saying and, and just the, the things surrounding this. And that is the Jewish nature of this whole gospel and the fact that there still is a place for Israel, as I always speak. Um, you know, and I think that that's, that's the most important thing. But I mean, as we look back to the resources that we give you, um, you know, we can see that a lot of this historically, I mean, there's a viewpoint that says that all of this is done and all of this has occurred. And that's kind of like the more popular viewpoint that we have um, out in the church nowadays. But, um, you know, the, the more and more we see throughout history and all these things and, and learn more about Jewish history and Jewish expectations of the Messiah, the kingdom of the knowledge of God and all of these things. Um, like I said, the, the, the more and more you look at that, you see that this couldn't be completely fulfilled yet. This has got to be something that has a continuous fulfillment. So then for us, that just brings into the excitement of saying, well, then this means that Israel has to exist again and the, the temple is going to have to exist again and, and all of these things go on. So I mean, this is what's really, really exciting for us is to be able to see all of these things kind of uh, fall into place. And um, this is also where, as I said in the beginning, that this is where a lot of the misinterpretation of this text comes from is from the misunderstanding of it and not rightly dividing this word of truth and not rightly dividing this section of scripture. Um, but once we, once we understand it for the, you know, for the, the context of where we're at here, we can, we can totally understand what Jesus is saying here. And honestly, I'm, I'm a little bit closer to John MacArthur. So, uh, this week, uh, if, if I might have some John MacArthur sermons, I might put out for you regarding this. Um, but I'm, I'm probably closer to his views on this chapter on Matthew 24 specifically. He does great and he, he, and he teaches pretty much exactly the same thing that I do. Um, I do have, I've told you that I do have some differences with all of them though. So if there has been some of those little things that you guys have noticed, uh, going into the study packets that may sound a little bit different than what I'm saying or anything like that, then that's the reason why is because I'm teaching my differences and why I think that they're different, but they're not many for this chapter. So recapping the whole chapter and giving us this context and this, this idea of this being, um, you know, a very 
Jewish gospel and who's who's Jesus speaking here to, who's the audience that he's speaking to, and what is Matthew's audience here, and what what's he saying? What are we talking about? Well, we know, um, you know, Matthew's gospel. This is this is for the the Jews that were living right then in the the first century, but then this is also going to be for the remnant of Jewish the Jewish believers uh, during the tribulation period. I mean, Matthew is talking about here you know, this, this period that, that covers both the first and second, you know, comings, the, the, the first century being the first coming of Christ and then the, the second coming. And this is of no surprise because this is the way that prophecy has always kind of worked. We always see that, that the way that prophecy is fulfilled is it's, it has an immediate fulfillment, but then there's a greater fulfillment to it. That's, that's at the end of history. And it, and it it has to be all the way at the end because we can see little times in history where it's it's played out and where it's reflecting. And I think those those times uh, that we see in history are definitely the Lord, you know, um, blessing us just with 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 showing us, um, you know, His glory and and how true that He is to His word. Um, because we we can see these things, so that looks a lot like this that said it yes it does and this is an absolute concrete proof that this will be at the end of the age <clears throat> so we're always talking about those two time periods going at this going at this and remembering that we're talking about these two time periods so in all of this jesus is not speaking to the church directly and we have to understand that because the the, the way that we interpret it is, is very, very different, right? So he's speaking to Israel here, but we have a lot, a lot here that we can take from it because it talks about that whole middle time period from the first to the second. And this leads right in, his first coming goes right into the second coming. And this includes the seven years of tribulation that are going to happen before the return of Christ. Okay, so this this is, we, we often get this time where we try to split in our minds that the seven years is going to be something completely crazy and different. No, this is going to go right into the second coming of Christ. So the way that we understand these things is that, yes, these things are going to occur and get worse until the coming of Christ. So with that understanding, let's go ahead and I won't, I won't keep blabbing. Let's just get into the text because we have a lot um, to go over. But we'll go ahead and start in verse one and just kind of recap here where we're at. Remember the question here is the disciples are going, we know that you're the Messiah. You're the foretold, foretold Messiah all throughout prophecy. We're expecting this Messiah. We believe you. We've seen, we've, we've been with you. We've seen you do all these miraculous things we've seen. And we, we know that you're the Messiah, but the only thing is you keep talking about death and you keep talking about having to go away for, and you're really, really not making sense. When is the kingdom going to come? When are you bringing this kingdom? Because 
this is what their expectation was that the Messiah is going to ride into Jerusalem, right? Which we have already done. We've, we've already come into Jerusalem that he's going to ride into Jerusalem and to take his throne and, and, and be king and, and institute the millennial kingdom. Um, but that's not the case because he's, he's coming in, riding into Jerusalem saying, I'm going to die and be resurrected. And, and, you know, this is, this is going to happen. And, and you know, it's not going to play out quite as you expected it. And it's not because it's, it's not because this is something new. It's not, it's because you didn't understand. And, and we can go back and look to, to old Testament scripture and we can see that there's, there's, a, there's clearly this, what we call an inner advent period, where it's a period between a first and a second coming. That's where we have the suffering servant and conquering king. Okay, so their, their questions here though is, when is this kingdom going to come? Because you just got done going off on the religious leaders of the day, telling them that, hey, your house is, is left to you and, and I'm done. You know, the, the, this, this offer to, to this generation of the kingdom is, is officially postponed because of the rejection of this wicked generation. Okay, so they're going, okay, so if it's, I mean, if this is happening, when, when do we get the kingdom? When is, when is your kingdom coming? So that's what we're, we're looking at here in the beginning of Matthew 24. In verse one, when Jesus left the temple and was going away, when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Okay, but he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And that's in verse two. And remember we learned that that was the Jesus prediction of the destruction of the temple. Uh, we, par we provided you guys with a bunch of really cool resources regarding this and uh, actually showed you the picture of the unearthed or the, the dug up uh, stones that they've actually, they've actually been able to find of this very prophecy. Okay, so continuing in verse three though, he begins to explain more. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Since all of this isn't going to, you know, when is this going to happen, right? When is the kingdom? They were asking this question all the way up until the book of Acts. And when they were looking at him, when he said, hey, Jesus, is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom in Israel? No, not yet. <laughs> yeah, you're still missing this, this whole period here. You've got to go preach the gospel to, to the Gentiles and, and they receive it and then, then it'll come. Okay, but he says, verse four, so he begins speaking, and this is where we get a lot of confusion. Okay, this is where a lot of different pastors get it wrong. This is where a lot of different teachers get it wrong, whatever, is that they don't understand this as being a something that occurs right along into the tribulation period. They'll either say that, okay, this is only talking about the tribulation period, or this is only talking about the rapture or whatever else, and that's ridiculous. There is no rapture in this. There's, there's, we're not, we're not talking about it, but the church does exist in this period because we exist in between the first and second comings. 
So that's how we know that, yes, and, and we can see that what Jesus is saying here is he's speaking to the Jewish believers that will be alive in the tribulation period. And that's also going to reflect the judgment of 70 AD. So 70 AD was nothing. It was cake compared to what it's going to be in the tribulation period. But there's the similarities there. Okay, because we see these similarities happen in the first century and we see the, the similarities happening even today. So we can see these things occurring. And this is where, like I said, too, a lot of people get it wrong in the way of every little sign is a, is a, some fulfillment of prophecy. And that's not the case. That's not the case at all. We can't do that. We can't do that because it cheapens scripture. We don't know what event exactly it's going to be for sure that's going to set off the rapture for us. Um, but, you know, one of these, you know, like one of these earthquakes or famines or anything like that, when we try to read into too much to this stuff, it's like, no, because Jesus was speaking of something that was happening and going to happen to this generation, to the 70 AG, AD generation, all the way up into the tribulation period. Okay, but it, so this is something that it's going to progressively get worse. But not one of these things is meant to been look to look at for the church as the coming of Christ. Now, for Israel, yes, that's his exact point. Matter of fact, he has to tell them that this is how you know you're in the tribulation period, which we'll go on to read. So remember, we, we talk about deception, religious deception is what Jesus answered of what the signs are and what these are going to look like. So in verse four, Jesus answered them, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. This also occurred in the first century, guys. This isn't something that's, this is something that will happen in, in this, during the, the second coming, but this is something that did happen, um, in the, in the first century as well. So that's how we know that it's got this dual fulfillment. It's not that it's, it's duality or anything, but it's, it's just got this prophecy has always worked like that, where it has this immediate fulfillment and this later fulfillment. And we can see that in many of the Old Testament things regarding Christ, right? So in verse six, and you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. So we have re religious deception, wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. So Jesus tells us that we will always have these signs, but don't be worried about it because these things have to occur. They will happen and they will get more frequent and they will get more intense, but the end is not yet. For in verse seven, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And these are but the beginning of birth pains. Then they will tribute, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Okay, followers of Christ have always been hated by all nations just for following him. So that's another proof of saying that, okay, no, this does not just have fulfillment here 
for the first century, this is something that goes on into the second coming. Okay. But then we also have what I just said. We also have to remember that who's his audience that he's speaking to here. While we're understanding what this movie looks like and what this thing looks like, we don't, we don't apply ourselves here. We don't say we'll see that we have to do all these things. No, we don't apply ourselves here. We are aware of these different things that are only birth pains and the warnings of the things that must take place. Okay, but we know that when they get more frequent and more intense, that's the tribulation period. Once they get to where they're not stopping, that's the tribulation period. So we, again, you can see how important interpretation is with this, because we can go all over the place. You can have all sorts of different things that you can do with this if we don't interpret it correct. But it's, it's, I mean, Jesus tells us all these are the beginning of birth pains in verse eight, the beginning. He, he told us back, um, you know, in, in verse six, the end is not yet. So you, you have to, to look at these things and, and we have to, uh, really, really pay attention to them because they're incredibly important. Okay. Verse nine, and they will, then they will, uh, deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by nation, my, uh, many nations for my namesake. In verse 10, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Okay, and that's, again, we, we don't take that to mean that the gospel hasn't already gone out. It has. That was what the book of Acts was all about. And that's exactly why me and you are sitting here today reading about this and I'm telling you about Jewish stuff. That's exactly how that happened is this is all we we forget that this is not exclusive to our understanding do we must we follow the law like like the jew absolutely not but we must it's it's of utmost importance to understand that we are not the root of this that this has roots and we have got this idea in the church today of this replacement theology and we have done listen to my podcast this week we have done a terrible disservice in the church to removing all of these things all throughout history and our understanding has become skewed, completely skewed. But we are not the root of this. There we have roots and yes, the roots do matter because your and our savior is Jewish and his feet are going to touch the Mount of Olives in Israel again. That's in Israel. That's not here. So we go, okay, yeah, I know that. But yes, but when, then don't think that the gospel and don't think that, that, that scripture is, is all about you. It's not. It has a place. It has a reality to it. It has all of these things that we can't forget. 
But that's it. Like the gospel of the king will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations and then the end will come. So this is something is, yes, the, the declaring the gospel is still something that we, we do up until the end. You can see that there's no up, you, you, you stop declaring the gospel. Teachers stop declaring. Nope, absolutely not. Um, you know, it, the, the, the most important, I guess, line in that is, and then the end will come. So this is something, as I just said, that will happen until Christ steps foot on this earth again. Okay, and then we go into <clears throat> verse 15 here where we're in the mid part of, now we're going to the mid part of the tribulation period. Okay, so we're, we're talking about the mid part of the tribulation period and also this is something that the Jews of the first century, they would have seen what happened in 70 in, in the destruction of Jerusalem that started in, what, 62 and went to 70, or whatever years that it started. Okay, so they would have seen these things happen and they would have heeded Jesus' words. They would have remembered, called, called these things to memory. They would have been like, wait a minute. Okay, this is, but this wasn't fully everything that was to occur. This also has a greater fulfillment. And what Jesus is referring to here is the greater fulfillment. So not only is he referring to what will happen in 70, of course, but this is speaking of the greater fulfillment. So in verse 15, in the abomination of desolation, and the greater fulfillment of this is halfway through the tribulation period. Okay, well, last week we went and showed you that this is how Israel is going to know that this is a false messiah and that they are in right in directly in the middle of the tribulation period. Remember, because I told you, this is business as usual until we go into the tribulation period. We have a very, very skewed view of, of knowing, like you're not going to see a sign that says, hey, this guy is the Antichrist. That's not going to happen. You're going to go into the tribulation period as it was in the days of Noah. And people will go all throughout the tribulation period and going into the days of Noah. You see these maths deaths and these things that we're getting so cold to in our life. You go, well, how can that happen? If there's all these bad, terrible, you know, cataclysmic things that are happening and these earthquakes and all. I'm like, this is literally what we're conditioned for in 2020. We are all, I mean, we all are conditioned for mass deaths, for, for mass catastrophic events. Like we are conditioned for this already. So we, we have to understand that that conditioning, you know, it's not like some button clicks and goes, you are in the tribulation period. That's where it's, you know, the, the, the left behind kind of has it, um, you know, way skewed in our understanding. Because it's all of a sudden, you know, it's going to be this big, loud trumpet blare. And this week, I've, I've, anybody that asked me that question before, I have come this week to finally, I, I think, to an answer to say that this, the, the rapture and the return of Christ, Paul says it'll happen in the twinkling of an eye. And John Barnett did help me with this. It'll happen in a twinkle of an eye. Boom. Okay. The sheep know his voice. Okay. This, this, the trumpet sound. 
the sound of God, the, the, the shout, the cry of command, these things have all been mistaken by anybody that was not, that did not know God as thunder, all these different things. So the twinkling of an eye of thunder, and we think of, you know, the dead, yes, the dead will literally rise. But remember, this is in a blink of an eye, quick, fast. So no, it's going to be, it's going to happen. And then people aren't going to look around like with, you know, the whole clothes falling out of the sky thing. No, no, that can't be because that does not marry in with the, with the text here of people just going and parading right into this time. And that's why he's warning them too, is, is to be, not be deceived, not be deceived by religious deception. So all of these warnings are so important to us because we go, you know what? We're, no, we're not going to go. The church is not going to go through the tribulation period. But man, we're going to see all of this. We're going to see all of these false teachers. We're going to see all of these crazy, you know, events that are going to be happening. All of these things building up to this period of time. So... That, that, that's very, very long-winded importance of all of that. Let's get back to the text in verse 15 to the abomination of desolation. So verse 15, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, okay? That was how, how Jewish was that, right? Recall to mind. And for us as well. So, I mean, is this is an instruction to the reader, but the, we're the reader as well. But remember, in context, this is the Jew that will read this. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, verse 16, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Verse 17, then let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for the women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may be in winter or may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. Remember, we talked about in verse 20 there at the end of there on a Sabbath. Who's he talking to? And then 21, for there will be great tribulation. Notice that word and underline that great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. There's a lot of people that, that it's a popular view to even deny the tribulation period and, and all these things now in the church. Um, they say that a lot of this stuff occurred in 70 AD. Uh, I told many of you that um, Apologia Studios, I've heard Jeff Durbin, he, he teaches a form of this view that great tribulation and all of these things, this is this is what occurred in 70 AD. Really? That's what Jesus meant by when he says, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now? Okay, so when we have the comparison with the flood coming up here, which was a worldwide flood, it was not a localized flood, how does that make sense? 70 AD didn't affect me or you at all. If we were over here in, I mean, which we weren't, but if we were over here in this country in 70 AD, eh, not a whole lot of effect would have, been, would have been had on us. 
But I actually shared a uh, article with one of you earlier this week of their the other view, and I can if more of you are interested in it. I just don't want to share these things out of confusion if you're not there yet. Um, but I shared somebody the other view of how they believe that these things are actually fulfilled right. You know that the, these things happened in in seventy A.D. And it's incredible. Guys, they really believe that Jesus came in the clouds, like he appeared in the clouds in 70 AD, and that was the that was the all of the fulfillment of all this. And that's just, I mean, that's completely unbiblical. I mean, that's just that's pre, full preterism is what the it's called. Is is I mean, that's a heresy. That's literally a heresy. I mean, nobody at the beginning, I mean, since the has ever interpreted these things as is already happening. This view has snuck into the church and it is a destructive heresy and it's very, very popular right now. Now, apologia doesn't go full preterism, but they go really, really close. And that's where it's, you have to be careful with this stuff because this is this deception. So remember, our, our, our battle necessarily isn't with flesh and blood, it's, it's with the spirit. So we have to be careful of, of these teachers, not, not that we're condemning them to hell or, or anything like this, but it's a very, very damaging heresy to teach these things and to not understand these things correctly. Because you're literally not, I mean, you're, you, you know, you're, you're conditioning people to be comfortable here on this earth in, in, in this life. And that, that's just, that's very, that's a very scary thing to do. Okay, because in, in 22, I mean, he makes it clear. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Okay, so, I mean, this couldn't possibly be fully, can, can, you know, happen in, in earlier or happened already. Because no human being will be saved. We're talking about a catastrophic worldwide event here. Okay, that this is where this includes the multitudes of other nations that are included in this in, the, in Revelation and what John saw. Okay, so we do have Gentile nations that it's it's speaking to, but this is directly to the Jews. Okay, so this goes directly into our, finally we're getting to our text for this week. Excuse me, verse um, 23 here. Warns them, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. Okay, so the false Christ, remember religious deception, this will happen right along into the tribulation period. Now, the abomination of desolation was the second half, the beginning of the great tribulation, that next three and a half years of tribulation that's going to happen on the world. That is the worst time of human history that we will see. The worst uncontrollable accident, unexplainable accidents, unexplainable um, um, devastation, you know, all these, all the, all the things in Revelation that we have, okay, that will be that time. So during that time period, though, we know that there will be false prophets and, and different, you know, false wonders and things going over this last half of the tribulation period that will literally try to deceive people into thinking that it's the Lord all the way up until the time of the second coming. 
So Jesus is warning this generation, so generation of Jews and also of whoever Gentile is on earth at this time, halfway through the tribulation period, that many false Christs and many false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Now, even though that's in the tribulation period, what did we just talk about when I said that this does not only talk about this one period of time. This can also speak for the church because we go right into this period. For false Christ, false prophets, false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray even if even possible, the elect. Verse 25, see, I have told you beforehand. Verse 26, so if they say to you, look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. Then he says something in here very interesting. Wherever the corpse is, the vultures will gather. Okay, that, that, that statement right there that Jesus says, um, just as we can see vultures, you know, uh, uh, circling over in the air, Christ's return in judgment will be very, very obvious. So don't get fooled by these saying, hey, look, Jesus has come. He's here, you know, because of these false wonders. No, no, no. Jesus goes back and says, Verse 27, for as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so it will be in the, the coming of the Son of Man. But then in verse 28, wherever the corpse is, the vultures will gather. The vultures suggest widespread death that will accompany Christ's return to judge unbelievers. Wherever the corpse is, the vultures will gather. You will know when I come. You will know when I'm here. How do we know that? I mean, we have, this is, I mean, this is Revelation 19. We have, we have so, so many uh, different contrasts that we can have here. But let's go ahead and finish the chapter and then we'll go over our, uh, our um, Old Testament contrasts here because there's, there's a lot of them. All right, so. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And verse 29, immediately after, so he, remember though, he was, he was telling them not to be deceived by this thing. That is when the end will come. You will know clearly. So he goes back on to saying, immediately in verse 29, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. 
Then will appear, in verse 30, in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man, the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Okay, this is not the rapture here. I know a lot of people mistake this for the rapture. How do we know it's not the rapture? We'll turn back to Matthew chapter 13. Go back to Matthew chapter 13. And what do we see in Matthew 13? Okay, in verse 40. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. In verse 41, the Son of Man will send his angels. Okay, this is different than Christ coming with a shout and gathering people up to him, as he says in John 14 and 1 Thessalonians. Okay, this is different. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all the causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then in verse 43 of Matthew 13, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. And we see the Lord in Revelation 12 coming and protecting Israel for this last half and coming and, del and, and delivering from them from the tribulation period here. Okay, but we see that this is the second coming because the Son of Man sends the angels to gather out the kingdom of all the causes of sin and lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. Okay, this is judgment. This is coming in judgment. This cannot be the rapture here. So go back to Matthew chapter 24. That's how we know that is when we go back to, to that was when uh, we went through chapter 13. I already contrasted that. So if, if you go back to our Matthew chapter 13 uh message that I did. Um, if you have any questions or anything about that, you can look at that there. Um, let's see here. All right. So uh, we ended off on 31 and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds. That's protecting them from one end of the heaven to the other. Okay, but this is the second coming here. That's where people get this, that's where they get confused because they go, okay, well, gather his elect, we're his elect. So this must insert the church right here. And there's there's a bunch of good, mean, well-meaning people that, that put the rapture right here. And I think where, I, I think where the confusion lies and where people get this messed up and why, why I said all the stuff about how this, reflects from what happened to that first century all the way up until the the finish of this the second coming till the till the end well because there's a lot of things that can look a lot like it so a lot of these things that he's referencing they do sound a lot like it and we can take you know when we when we read these things we could go hey that kind of sounds like that 
So that, that, that kind of gives us a, a, you know, that's interesting, but that's not a solid text for us to go to and try to insert ourselves in and try to, to get ourselves, uh, you know, read into that. So we, we, we look at these things and we go, yeah, this, hey, this does sound the whole trumpet, the, the gathering, this does sound like the rapture. It's just not, but it sounds a lot like it. And it, and it, if you want to say that it, it, it can reflect it, if, if Jesus was, it was maybe, you know, subliminally saying something about the rapture here, fine, but that's not what I think. But, you know, it, it, it does look like it. So that's where I will, will give it that weight. But guys, you have to understand that false teachings are built off of this chapter and how we understand these things. Okay, um, not not necessarily heresy. All of them are heresies, but there's false teachings. Okay, there's replacement theology, and and these different things. When we read, you know, that into this is we run into problems. So we have to be careful. Okay, here's another section that that people um, they they oftentimes get wrong. Um, but I, I think this is another one of these reflection things that, that, that does reflect something larger. Uh, in verse 32 here, the lesson of the fig tree. So Jesus goes on to tell them after telling them all these things. For, from the fig tree, learn its lesson in verse 32. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you will know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Again, these next couple, these, these couple verses here, this is where a lot of false teachings come. They go, okay. See, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So Jesus clearly was talking about 70 AD there. That's what some people will say. Nope. Or the other side of this is, well, Jesus was wrong. Jesus lied. He said that this generation will not take. No, that's not the case either. Jesus is saying that the generation that sees every single one of these signs, including the abomination of desolation, will see the second coming of Christ. It's that simple. That generation. But the thing that people read into this is that the fig tree represents Israel. And it does. Now, whether Israel is represented here in these couple of verses, we don't know. But this is where some false teachings have come from that says, definitely see, because Israel became a nation in 1948, the nation is 40 years or how many ever. This is where we get rapture timing and people that just completely mess this up. And it's like, no, you can't, you can't take it down to one specific event. Um, however, I do, I do like the comparison of that when you see the fig tree bud, when you see this happen, and you see all of these things together, you know that his return is near. And if his return is near, then that means that the rapture of the church is near. Because there's only, 
there's roughly only seven years that celebrate them. There could be a little bit of time in between, but I mean, as far as that, um, it's a seven-year tribulation period. Okay, so it's it's think about seven years in the scope of time is not very much. So I do kind of like the ideas when you see when we saw you know the generation of uh, that that saw Israel become a nation in 1948. I mean, I, Israel becoming a nation. I, I like that. I think that could be part of it. It's not definitely nothing to set your hat on. It's definitely nothing to set a date on. We should not do that, as we'll go on to see. But, you know, when, when you think of these things, you realize that Israel's a fig tree. Hey, Israel came back to being a nation in 48, and then in 67, they took control of Jerusalem and Man, all of these false prophets and all of these wars and all of these things are going on. Man, maybe it is close. So, uh, you know, I think that I think that that's a very good comparison for us to to go ahead and compare innocently if we do it innocently and not become dogmatic about it. Okay, but putting it into context, Jesus is clearly speaking of that generation of Israel that will see every single one of these things happen. And you will see the end. Okay, remember, because the the, the important the, the generation that he just just got done cursing, well, the generation is just as important that's going to be left at the end that he's going to save that remnant of the, that's going to be saved. So we think of the power of, of what that means to um, to to us, and and when we read his words. You know, we, we that'll help us uh, understand the, the depth of it here. All right, so in verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Why would you say that? Why would you say it like that, right? Because look at how much confusion that that came up with. No, it's not. He didn't say anything wrong. He said it perfectly. We misunderstand it and misinterpret it. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. Will we go, Jesus doesn't even know the time of his second. That's not what he's saying at all. Jesus is speaking from an earthly sense here. We need to not worry about the moment that this kingdom, this kingdom comes because that's not what we're worried about. We're worried about these things in the first century that, that have to start all these things. He still has to be crucified and there's a, still this inner advent age of the time of the Gentiles. So there's still a lot to go on here. Okay, but the Father only, and I have done a, a, a write-up and a podcast uh, on this. Does Jesus really not know when he will return? So please go listen to that if you haven't already heard it. Um, I go into exactly why he said it in, in a little bit more detail in it. And it's fairly short too. So in verse 37 here, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. In verse 38, For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, 
and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Okay, so this is where we see uh, the days of Noah. This is what I was talking about with going into this period that's relatively the same. We're seeing all kinds of crazy things. And yes, this, this next half year to see signs, wonders, all kinds of crazy things. But people aren't realizing like, this is the tribulation. We're all going to go mourn because no, that's not what happens. Remember the earth is, is we're, we're pushing this off. We're going, that's all crazy talk. What are you talking about? It's, you know, 2000, whatever, you know, it's, we're just fine. And you know, these horrible stories happen today. It's, it's going to be the same. And we have the preview of this, uh, you know, being compared to the days of Noah and how quick all of these things came. Verse 40, this goes back to what we were just reading in Matthew 13 when we're talking about this different time frame here in this different time period. Verse 40, then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Verse 41, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Okay, taken left. Okay, this, we, they get, we do not, we, we get that wrong and we think, well, okay, taken and left, that's the rapture. Nope, that's that Matthew 13 coming that we were talking about. Okay, we have to look at how Jesus is prophetically speaking here and how this stuff happens and who his audience is. Otherwise, we just get shipwrecked in it and we get confused and we, we, we will listen and, and, and go down whatever hole that we, we can uh, and then we'll end up getting frustrated. So this is where it, it, is, it is important. And he says in verse 42, and I mean, these, these words here are every bit as important to us as it is to them. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, and notice how he says day, I know what day your Lord is coming. Okay, obviously I'm giving you a whole bunch of signs of knowing that it's going to be my second coming, but not what day. Okay, verse 43, but know that this, if the master of the house had known in what part of the knife the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would have not let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must also must be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect. So this means every bit as much to us as it does to those that are going to be going through the tribulation period. And our fact, this speaks right direct. I mean, this can speak right directly to the church here because we don't know the hour, the day or the hour of the rapture of, of this. We don't. Okay. Remember, Israel, they have a whole bunch of signs to tell them that they are close, leading right into days up until when this happens. But they don't know which day. Imagine the, the onslaught of what Satan would do if he knew exactly what day this was. I mean, there, there it, would be, it would be incredible. So no, they do not. But we also do not know the day of this. A lot of people go, well, yeah, that's just so we can be lazy and we'll just decide to repent and right before the... No, that's crazy. 
<laughs> That's crazy. This all has to do with the spiritual war, not with, with what we have to do. Okay, but the, like I said, in verse 44, these are important. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. So still, understand that those words don't directly apply to you, church, but heed those words because they do apply in the way that we don't know when the rapture will be. And we don't want to be caught in burnt up works. We don't want to be caught lukewarm. We don't, we don't want to be caught on the fence, whatever you want to call it. We don't want to be caught going, yeah, you know, I'm just struggling reading scripture lately. I'm, I'm struggling being in church. I'm, you know, I'm, no, that's not what he says. He says, stay awake. You must be ready for the son of man. He's coming in an hour you don't expect. Think about the reality of standing in, for, in front of the glorified Christ at any moment. Not for fear that he's going to cast you off into to eternal judgment. But we have so much respect and love for different elders or different people in our lives, right? That we would never think of doing anything to harm them. And if anybody ever did anything to harm them, we would just go crazy. And just every word we hang on, every word, right? This this could be your grandparents or even your parents, whoever it is, we just hang on every single word and we just love. What's the difference? What's the difference of Christ? What is? Have you thought of it like that before? I think we should. We must be ready, we must be paying attention, we must be looking for him. If we respect humans on this earth that much and we love and we care and we do that, you know, we, we have to be able to apply these things here to our ultimate understanding, our, our Father. He goes on to continue warning in verse 25, 45, I said 25. See, that's how long it's taken us to get through this. Verse 45. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Verse 46. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and, eat and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he does not know and will cut him into pieces and put him with the hypocrites in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We can tell that this is the Second coming, because the master's cutting him to pieces and putting him in judgment. Okay, so where we as Christians 
we're not we're not expecting that. But don't think that this doesn't speak to you. Blessed is the servant whom his master will find doing so when he comes. Truly I say to you in verse 47, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master will come on a servant. Or he'll come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know. Yeah, that definitely can ha happen to Christians or professing Christians. Anybody that's truly in Christ will be raptured. Any unbelievers will be left. But the thing is, is unbelievers will be left, but there's a church that exists in the tribulation. There's an Israel that exists in the tribulation. That's why Jesus is, is giving instruction to those that will be in the tribulation period here. We don't look forward to this, right? We don't we don't look and, and try to insert ourselves here and we go see this is, I mean, this is again, this is another section of scripture that's been very, very abused. Very abused and people have made all kinds of, all kinds of different claims and different doctrines that have come out of this and we just, we just can't. All right. Um, Wow, I cannot believe we finished that chapter. We're going to go uh, look over some of our Old Testament references here so we can see that this period that Jesus is talking about. So I wanted to contrast you, you know, to, okay, well, you're saying all these things. How do we know that this timing, like, how do we know that this is speaking of, of the tribulation? Well, we have the details all throughout scripture, right? We, we have all of of how it is. So let's go first to let's see. All right, let's go to Daniel chapter 12 first and I'm just going to read verses 1 through 4 here. Okay? And this is the this is proof showing that this is um, this is the tribulation period here Matthew 24 we're talking about is for Israel. It's for this this generation that will be alive at the second coming and will be alive at that time. So verse one, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. Who's that? The people, the Jews. Okay, Michael is the great prince, the angel of the Jews. He's the protector of the Jews. It's really funny how we get our different ideas of, of who our, our archangels are and different things like that. Guess where that understanding comes from? you're going to say the Catholic Church, you were right. Here what it says. And there shall be a time of trouble, continuing in Daniel 12.1. There shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in a book, in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Let's note too that Daniel here, as we'll go on to see, is seeing this as all one event. 
He's, he's seeing this prophecy is all together. And he remember, he doesn't understand it because Daniel got super upset. And he's like, what do you, what does this mean? What Lord, what do you, what does this mean? And so he continues in verse three, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Okay, that, that would be the, the 144,000 during the tribulation period. Yeah, that's why we always call Daniel and Revelation, those books too, they, they go together. Revelation explains Daniel in detail and gives you a, a full look at this. Okay, so verse four, but you, Daniel, this is how you know that it's not just me telling you these things, it's scripture telling you these things, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Notice what it says there, until the time of the end. What do you think that time was? Well, that would have been about 95, roughly 95 AD when John was given Revelation. Because that time of the end is the unsealing. What does Revelation mean? Revealing. So Daniel is told to seal the book and John is given Revelation. So until the time of the end, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Okay, so there's an Old Testament prophecy. Let's go backwards to Daniel chapter seven. So go back a few, few pages. Check this out. Look at how Daniel's chapter seven Verses 9 through 14. I mean, this just goes identical with not only Revelation 19 verses 11 through 21, with many other Old Testament prophecies. But uh, Daniel 7 verses 9 through 14 here, and the prophecy that Daniel's prophesying, verse 9, as I look, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat in his his clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning fire. Verse 10, a stream of fire issued and came out before him. A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 or 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were open. Verse 11, I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body was destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season in time. Okay, and then look at verse 13. Then I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. All right, and then look, it revelates, turn to... Revelation chapter 19. Go 
Okay, we're gonna we're gonna look at the detail now that was given. So we see this time of trouble for Israel, for an unrepentant, unbelieving world. See all these things happen. Now we have the details of it. In chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. He's riding a horse. Not a, he, he's not riding a donkey. Then he's coming to judge and makes war. Verse 12, his eyes are like a flame of fire. What do we just read in Daniel? His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. John MacArthur makes a funny joke right here where he goes, that goes, that's the number one question that people always ask me. I don't know. It says that no one knows but him. Why do you ask me this? <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, but it, the, 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 the meaning behind it, we're not, you know, that this is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the King of the Earth. Verse 13, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. See this triumphal entry? By the time he walks into the temple, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name of which he is called is the Word of God. What is that, John 1? Yep. Verse 14, And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. There's you and I. Armies of heaven not only includes angels, this includes the same that he brings with him. Us. Everybody. Heaven clears. Verse 15. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread down, or I'm sorry, he will tread the winepress winepress of the fury of wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then verse 17. This is really interesting here. Okay, because what did Jesus say back in, in Matthew here in chapter 24, right, when he says the, the uh, the about the vultures. What verse is that? I'm remembering it off the top of my head here. Uh, looking back. Okay, it's verse uh, 28. About the vultures, right? Wherever the corpse is, the vultures will gather in 28. Look at what Revelation 19.17 says. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun and with a loud voice he called to all the birds that fly directly overhead. Come gather for the great supper of God. To eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and their riders and the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. Verse 19, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured 
and with it the false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who had worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. Listen. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's just, it's exactly what the Lord says in Revelation. It's exactly what this was revealing to us here was what he was talking about in 24. Okay, we won't, uh, I, I had 20 to read here about the thousand years uh, going into the kingdom, um, but we we have already gone over that, I heard a million times. So let me go ahead and, uh, and use, I'm sure we have plenty of questions, maybe. Some that were answered like a- As we're going? Yeah, Lee had asked, well, let me scroll back up. Um, she said, so is Jesus speaking to only physical Jews or Gentiles too as Christians grafted into the Jewish spiritual mm -hmm. peoples? And I said, well, you know, technically he's talking to the Jews, but mm -hmm. we now being grafted in obviously can learn from this. Um, like Tachi said, also like the flood came in judgment, so will be the second coming. Correct. Um, Lisa, she can't even hardly watch the news anymore. So much evil going on at an alarming, at an alarming surgence. This is, okay, yeah, go ahead. No, that was the end of it. Oh, okay. I was gonna, this is, got, this was the second part of wanted I, what I wanted to do with you all was going, I I use Drudge Report a lot for my um, news source. I have a couple different ones, but Drudge Report is one of the ones that I've used since probably high school. Um, but just going on Drudge Report here, and, and they just put news headlines, right, for article headlines. Look at this, and I'm not kidding, and look at all the stuff that we just read in 24, right? False Christ, religious deception, love growing cold, all these, all these things. Okay, did y'all hear about the uh, Iranian nuclear scientist that was killed? Yeah, guess who did it, most likely? Israel, okay? Guess who is one of the main nations that comes against Israel in the end times to attack Iran, Persia? Okay, look at the, the beginning of the headlines here. Iran plots revenge. Oof, I dare you. I dare you to touch him. I dare you. Newspapers strike Hava if Israel killed scientists. Okay, Israeli embassy on high alert. Okay, and then we go to, uh, of course, death set to double for Corona, LA lockdown. Uh, then we have, we have high, we have headlines, the Pope meets with new cardinals. I mean, you know, murder store headlines. I mean, just over and over and over again. I mean, every single one of these pieces of this puzzle is in play today. And Jesus was talking about it from that time up until the very, very end. And we we just see the way that this this show is going to go. Um, we we have the details, and we already have the 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 bare bones of it right now that we can see. 
with our very eyes. And this is a time for us to be aware at the time we're in and, and, and to pay attention to these things, not out of fear, not out of, of getting on our roads and not doing anything right. But, but of making sure that we are um, serving the Lord, that we are looking for the Lord and that we are, you know, um, these, these loose ends that we have left on this earth, you know, these are things that we don't want to, um, you know, we, we don't want to have to, to, to speak with the Lord about things that we know that we should do. Right. So, um, I, you know, as a, as a teacher and, and as, you know, studying this and reading this and, and how much time I spend in prayer in this, um, I would say now is a good time to really just kind of tie up those loose ends. <laughs> I don't know what that that. Lisa, she that keeps means, telling her but, husband and her kids, "You have to be ready. There won't be any time to get ready." Yeah, that's what Emily was just um, you know talking about with her drawing that she had this week of lights of Lot's wife turning back. She wanted you know she simply turned back to look, and you know you can't do that. And that's what Jesus says here too. Do not look back. Do not, you know, and there's, there's, we, we have to be careful not to take that of not, you know, not to be involved in anything at all and to run away like, like Jonah did. And that's definitely not the case either. But, um, there's a, there's a heightened sense of knowing what's going on and where you are in, in the period of time. Remember, there were, how do you think there were people at Jesus's birth? Like you said, because of the start, well, yeah, but they knew exactly what to look for. They knew, the Magi knew Old Testament prophecy, what Daniel had prophesied, you know, and, and what, how do you think that these, these people that Jesus comes in contact with have, have knowledge of this coming Messiah and they know these things? It's, it's because that they were ready and they, they recognized him, so. Uh, that that's something that we have throughout scripture that is is something that we should definitely uh, take and copy and understand and that, that's one of those things that's meant for us to learn by example so all right so yeah do we have any other questions tonight today whatever it is afternoon uh, Lee had asked, why do Jehovah's Witnesses think Jesus has already come and that the JWs are the 144,000? And Travis said, that's a whole teaching. Twisting of Daniel 4 with the tree cut down and turning days into years. They've had to try to change it, though. You know, what's funny, Lee, is that it's not just the Jehovah's Witnesses, too. I sent, um, like I said, I was talking to Liz earlier this week, or maybe it was yesterday that I sent it to you, Liz. I don't know what day it was, but um, this explanation of how they believe that Jesus, including the second coming, came in 70 AD. And it, it literally talks about Jesus making an appearance during the um, the Jewish-Roman war that, that was going on right then. It was, it was starting to get really ugly right up until 70 AD with the Jews fighting off Rome from completely surrounding and, and engulfing the temple. And, well... Um, Jerusalem specifically, uh, and there they have all kinds of different um, ex explanations of different people that saw uh, Jesus in the clouds in that time, and I'm like, that is unbelievable because that's literally how Jehovah Witnesses and, and different people 
get to their false interpretations of this. But like this preterist view, right? This that that word that thinks that all of these things are already fulfilled, that uses the same principles as 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 cults do. As we wouldn't necessarily say that the people that teach this fulfillment, you know, the stuff that uh, it's already, you know, it's all been fulfilled. Normally they're, they're biblical. I mean, normally they're right, you know, about a lot of other things. Um, but when it comes to this, it's, I mean, this is just, it's just where they go off. And it's, it's very unfortunate because it mirrors um, things that cults do. So that's where, you know, when you, when you look at this, you go, well, I don't know how good I'm going to talk about a teacher if literally the, the stuff that he's teaching or the things that he's coming out with um, are, are coming from this perspective because this is a damaging doctrine that we, that we teach. So, um, Thank you, Eric. It was good seeing you, Brother Eric, and we're praying for you all, too. And I, I didn't see you come in a little bit later there, so. Oh, Liz asked, oh, the remnant from Revelation 19.21 is Israel, question mark? Revelation 19.21, let's look it up. Um, Twenty-one, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him that was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with her flesh. Nineteen twenty-one. Mm -hmm. Those two thrown on the yes. So she's saying that the um, your your That's question Israel, was right? if yes, this is Israel and the uh, Gentile believers that come into the kingdom as well. But remember, this is you know they're they're going to be following Israel in the tribulation period too and and these hundred and forty four thousand evangelists um so it's uh, did that make sense hopefully that made sense um it didn't confuse you that they're going to be following israel because obviously there's not going to be the head of the church jesus is gone back the church is gone jesus has gone back to dealing with the jews and while salvation is still available for Gentiles, this time period is, is strictly for the unbelieving world and Israel. Um, so, it, you know, it's going to be something where the, the evangelism and the truth and these things that are coming out are going to come from Israel and, and not for, and these, there's a remnant of these Jews and not necessarily from the, um, the, uh, the Gentile church or whatever. So that's another uh, thing for the, the deception that, that people need to be aware of in that time period. Um, as it's, it's, there's going to be false Christs and people trying to deceive many into thinking that it's, it's them. And, and that's the way to go. Uh, it's going to be to the point where it's almost impossible to figure out if you're in the tribulation period, what's going on. So that's why it's, um, it's really detailed for speaking to the nation of Israel that recognizes a lot of these things. And then um, hopefully those unbelievers and Gentiles that are here on the earth know enough to go and seek out, you know, this, this proper information of what's really truly going on in this time of Jacob's trouble. Because if you're, see, do you, can you see how damaging replacement theology is and all of these things? Look how damaging that is because most people have no idea about any of this stuff. They go, okay, well, the tribulation period, well, let's go, okay, well, I always heard of it, but I don't know anything about it. 
And I don't know how it's going to happen. And I know, oh, the Messiah, the Jesus, he said he was coming, right? You know, like there's so many different things that can can happen if you, you just remove that out of there. So that's why it's a, a very destructive teaching. Okay. Lee, yeah, definitely let me know. Yeah, um, sure. Because according to prophecy, the kingdom and its king has come to has come through Israel, right? What yeah, and what because according, according to, to prophecy. prophecy, the kingdom and its king has come through Israel. Correct. Yes, I mean and this is, I mean this is the kingdom is the, this all is from the Jews. Salvation is from the Jews. To the Jews first and also, <laughs> you know, so these are, um, these are things that are just so clear in scripture that we just, Heidi was telling me the need for this and I will because it's a line. It's a line of becoming Torah observant, which we don't and we don't follow, we don't have to follow the letter of the law, but we don't remove roots. Okay. We don't, you don't take away roots from something. That's just, that's just insanity. You don't do that with anything. In order to understand anything, you just can't come out and take out, you know, the, the roots of it. Um, it's just, you, you, you will not get the right idea of this, right? Um, so that's the same way that, that this is. If we take the roots out of it and we don't understand the things the way that they would have understood them and the, the things that these, you know, continue on to be considering this is Israel is still in a, involved in a lot of this, then we're going to miss a lot of it. So, And that's why Satan has been trying to destroy the nation since day one. Except he is. He's tried to, yeah, since, since, I mean, we can see this in the very beginning of Genesis. Um, and he will continue to, and he will continue to stop out any, any trace of the Jew or, or anything to do with it because it all leads to, to Christ. And again, this isn't for, you know, it's not one race better than another. It was like, I always say, you can go, you can ask him when you get there, why Jews? What's so special? Why not? Why not Hispanics? Why not African American? Why not? Why Jews? You ask him. I don't know. I, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. Um, but what I can tell you is that that's definitely what he chose and definitely where the roots of all creation are. Uh, my son sent me a video um, a couple uh, days ago. It was about the Roman Empire. and was talking about... Uh, how important Israel was prior to, um, you know, the first basically 500 years of Rome's even existence, uh, how Israel in the Middle East and that whole area was looked at before it moved further west. And uh, we could see that that area was, you know, the root, I mean, that is, it's the roots of creation. Everything traces back to that area of Mesopotamia. Uh, and it's throughout history, it's been that. So it, it's not about, you know, why or, or like, you know, kind of scoffing at it and think that's ridiculous. And we Americans do that so easy. It's, it's whatever. Yeah. Little shepherd Jews out in the desert, out in the, you know, no, <laughs> like this is, this is, this goes back to the beginning far beyond our, uh, our high prideful attitude. So. All right. Well, you see what Tommy just said. What's wrong with you? I do what I want. I do what I want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
exactly. I mean, we and we're not, and uh, it's exactly we're not we're not here to question him. Uh, but it seems that that seems that the question does come up so much because people you introduce any kind of understanding to this or you you know anything like that, people just get like, "Where? Well, that's just weird Jewish stuff." Okay, but you know, it's, he, he didn't. Yeah, he he didn't come to create any religion. So. Um, Heidi's told me the need of, um, you know, showing how not Torah observance is important, but uh, how roots is important and, and figuring out how to, to teach that because nobody does. It's either one extreme or the other. We can be grafted um, in. We should so in order to be, we've been adopted. By. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we want to do our research on our family that we've been grafted in. <laughs> you know, we, we want to know about things that they do and, and things that they practice and, you know, uh, it's just obvious stuff to us. So uh, it's obvious when we sit and, and we think about it, we talk about it, but unfortunately it's not what's taught. And, and when we open up scripture and we, we, we do all kinds of things to, to a text that, that we shouldn't. And uh, we always want to understand it for what the original audience would have received it as, what the author intent to say, intended to say. And, uh, then from there, the Holy Spirit can lead us into whatever message that we can take from it. But we have to use those tools first. So let's go ahead and close in prayer, guys. And uh, I'll hang out for a couple more minutes if there's anything else. But Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you again for today. Father, we thank you for taking us through this chapter, Lord. All the things that you have given to us in it, all the different warnings, different clarities on, on different things that you spoke. We just, we thank you for giving clarity to us. We know that you are not the God of confusion, Father. We know that your word is perfect. We know that it all combines together into your perfect plan. Father, again, I thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to be able to speak to your people about your kingdom, Lord. Father, I ask that you bless your people, hear their cries. Father, take from them what you're willing. Most importantly, Father, strengthen them so they may endure, so we may give you all the glory until your soon return. Jesus, we put all of these things at your feet, Father, and we ask that you return to us soon. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. All right, guys. Well, doesn't, I think we, uh, a lot of this stuff is stuff that I've already gone over a hundred million times before, so I'm not surprised that we don't have <laughs> too, many, too much confusion over it. That actually is something that makes me feel good. So hopefully there's not confusion. If there is, please don't be embarrassed to say that you're confused. Come, let me know, and we'll, I will I will walk you through this. I will I will provide you with whatever resource you need uh, to to set you to where you're not confused and not frustrated. So please get a hold of me if that's the case. If not, uh, praise God. Uh, we will see you guys on. Wednesday. Uh, I'm sure that you guys will have some more podcasts and stuff to enjoy because I've still got some more. So, and art tomorrow. So, um, 
that Emily again. Thank you so much, Emily, for everything that you do. Thank you, everybody, for everything that you all do um, for keeping us going and, and for thinking about us. We love you guys and cannot wait to see you again soon. So we'll see you guys then. Bye, guys.